0: This podcast is made available by Vision Christian Media. Thanks to the generosity of our supporters. Your donation today means great podcasts like this remain available to help people look to God daily. Please make your donation to Visionathon today at vision.org.au. Jesus was in Gethsemane the night before His crucifixion. Today, Pastor Greg Laurie has insights for our own personal Gethsemane moments. There's
1: something we need to say when we come to our personal Gethsemane. Something we need to say to God when things are not making sense. And so spread out your petition before God and then say, thy will not mine be done. That's the thing we need to pray in the Gethsemanes of life. This is the day when the lost are found.
0: Brings us to a sobering moment, a crisis, an agonizing decision, an inescapable conclusion. And we wonder how we're going to get through it. Today on A New Beginning, Pastor Greg Laurie points out that Jesus faced such a climatic moment. His crucifixion was just hours away, his disciples had fallen asleep, and he was left alone with his thoughts. But we'll see he was actually left alone to continue with the Father. And what Jesus did can actually help us navigate our Gethsemane moments.
1: our series that we're calling life uh, studies in the gospel of John and the title of my message is the purpose in gethsemane. And so here in the garden of gethsemane we see Jesus literally suffering. Suffering so badly that he's effectively sweating blood. This next to the cross was the lowest moment most likely in the life of Jesus. It certainly was the loneliest moment of his life. And so there's something we need to say when we come to our personal Gethsemane. Something we need to say to God when we have those moments where things aren't uh, making sense to us. And I'm going to tell you what that thing is in just a few moments. But let's look now at what happened to Jesus as he went to the cross for each of us. John 18, I'm gonna read verses one to 11. I'd like you to read with me if you would, please. And by the way, I'm reading from the New Living Translation. After saying these things, Jesus crossed the Kidron Valley with his disciples and entered a grove of olive trees. Judas, the betrayer, knew this place because Jesus had often gone there with his disciples. The leading priests and Pharisees had given Judas a contingent of Roman soldiers and temple guards to accompany him. Now with blazing torches, lanterns, and weapons, they arrived at the olive grove. Jesus fully realized all that was going to happen to him. You might underline that. And he stepped forward to meet them. And he asked, what are you looking for? They asked, Jesus of Nazareth, I am, said Jesus. And they fell to the ground. So what's going on? Okay, remember the phrase I am, ever heard of before? What did God say to Moses? Moses said, what is your name? God says, I am that I am. I am. It's a claim of deity. God was saying, I am. There is no other. So when Jesus says, I am, it is also a claim to deity. Notice they all fell backwards. By the way, this is a group of soldiers. This is a lot of people. It's a temple police as well as a cohort of Roman soldiers. This could have been as many as 600 people with swords and spears and lanterns and they're all coming in, you know. Let's get Jesus. And Jesus says, who are you looking for? They say, Jesus of Nazareth. He says, I am. And they all fell backwards. All all the lanterns going in the air, the swords. That shows his power. This just shows he didn't have to go with him if he didn't want to. He could have said, I am. And you were. Bye. Gone. (laughs) End of problem. I am, just to show his power. These guys in way over their heads. He could have called out and thousands of angels would have come to rescue him. In fact, in John 10, he says, my father loves me and I lay my life down that I may take it again and no one takes it from me. I lay it down of myself. I have power to lay it down and power to take it again. No one was taking Jesus away. He was going of his own volition, of his own will. And ultimately it was not nails that held him to the cross, it was love. He could have gotten out of this so easily, but of course he surrenders to the will of the Father and they take him away. And Judas, to identify him, betrays him with a kiss. Now I find this interesting, that Judas had to identify Jesus. Why did he have to identify Jesus? We know what Jesus looks like. He has a white robe, right, always, We've seen all the paintings, you know, white robe, sometimes a blue sash, blue sash, right? Sometimes he carries a staff around. I guess that's because he's a good shepherd. Sometimes he has a lamb wrapped around his neck. He has nice, flowing, blondish hair, neatly trimmed beard. Easy to find. Or maybe, you know, he glowed in the dark, right? <laughs> he's God in human form. But here's the interesting thing Scripture says, King James, he had no form nor comeliness that we should desire him, which is a way of saying he was an ordinary looking guy. I think if you walked to a crowd of people, you wouldn't say, There's Jesus. You know, he, he wouldn't have stood out like that. Jim Caviesel played Jesus uh, in the film, The Passion of the Christ. I remember I was at a Billy Graham crusade and I sat next to Jim. And, uh, you know, this guy's very handsome, sculpted. I didn't even like him at all, actually. <laughs> He says, I didn't want to be around you. You're just so handsome. <laughs> Bothers me. But, um, no, but seriously, he's just, you know, you would think, yeah, he looks like Jim Caviezel, right? Or he looks like this actor. Well, actually, I don't think he would look like that. He would be the most ordinary guy there. So much so that Judas has to identify him with a kiss. Why not a handshake? Why not a point? Like, there he is, get him. Judas betrays him with a kiss, and here's an interesting twist. In the original language, it could be stated, "He smothered him with kisses." Did you ever have an aunt like that? You know, the one that comes to visit and they kiss you over and over again, and it's gross, kind of, because their perfume is on you afterwards. It's like you smell like your aunt for a day, whatever. <laughs> it's a like kissing, 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 kissing. That's how Judas betrayed Jesus. It wasn't a peck on the cheek or an air kiss. No, it's like, oh, I love you so much. Kiss, 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 embrace, kiss, embrace. Man, if I was Jesus, I'd have broken his neck. How dare you? And you know what Jesus said to him? Friend, why have you come? What? I'd have said, fiend, why have you come? Or better yet, I know why you've come. No, friend. Because you know what? To the very end, Jesus loved Judas. And you know what? Judas was the friend of Jesus who happened to betray him. And at the last moment, Jesus was giving to Judas one last chance to repent. Almost saying, buddy, I know what's happening. And I'm saying, right now, you can repent and not do this. But Judas, of course, was determined because we already pointed out Satan had entered his heart. You've heard of being demon-possessed? Judas was Satan-possessed. Satan came into him, and of course, he opened the door to that, and uh, there's no way he was going to change his plans at this point. So, the irony is, at the moment of his betrayal, he still wanted to appear devout. It was the
0: worst kind of hypocrisy imaginable. We're hearing from Pastor Greg Laurie from Harvest Christian Fellowship in Riverside, California. Today, Pastor Greg picks up his message called The Purpose of Gethsemane. Judas had just betrayed Jesus to the dismay of Simon Peter. Let's continue now. Simon Peter is so mad. He's watching
1: Judas Iscariot. I can't believe you did this. And so this is what happens. We already read it. Verse 10, Simon Peter, we're back in John 18, drew a sword, slashed off the right ear of Malchus, the high priest's slave. Jesus said to Peter, put your sword back in its sheath. Shall I not drink of the cup of suffering the Father has given me? Now on one hand, we may want to commend Peter for this act of bravery, but Jesus didn't say to Peter, put the sword away. Poor Peter, he just couldn't get it right. He was boasting when he should have been listening. He was sleeping when he should have been praying. And now he's fighting when he should have been surrendering. He seemed to be an emotional man. And in effect, Peter was potentially playing right into the hand of the enemy. I mean, thanks to Peter's impulsive violence, the authorities could now claim there's some kind of rebel uprising led by some guerrilla leader known as The Rock. We've heard him called The Rock. And he pulled out his sword and, and cut off Malchus's ear and he had two guys next to him called the Sons of Thunder. Look like they're from an outlaw motorcycle gang. Well, that's what Peter was doing. You know, he's trying to, Fix things, And Jesus says, according to Matthew's gospel, those who use the sword will be killed by the sword. Don't you realize that I could ask my father for thousands of angels to protect us and he would send them instantly. Peter, buddy, listen, I appreciate it, but if I needed help, I'll call for the angels. And they'll take care of this in short order. So put that sword away. Uh, Peter made a lot of mistakes. He was fighting the wrong enemy with the wrong weapon. You know, the Bible reminds us that we're in a spiritual battle and the weapons of our warfare are not physical but mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. What are the most effective weapons, if you will, we could also call them tools, that we have in our arsenal as followers of Jesus? Protest and boycott. I don't know. Sometimes I think when we boycott things, we help them more than hurt them. So I'm not so sure about boycotts in general. I'm not a big boycott guy. Protesting, I guess there's a place for it at times. How about this? Register and vote. That's very important. I think we should all register and I think we should all vote and we should be educated on the issues. But the two secret weapons God has given to us as the church are rarely used. And you know what they are? They're prayer and proclamation of the gospel. We need to do a whole lot more of that. Praying. When crisis comes, praying. When we have a need, praying. And proclaiming the gospel of Jesus Christ. So old Peter cuts this guy's ear off and uh, and Jesus stops him. And here's something that's often missed. Jesus healed Malchus's ear. Malchus was servant to the high priest. Having his ear cut off implies to me he probably was leading the charge. Follow me, guys, let's go. And boy, he walks right into the sword of Simon Peter. Peter was trying to, probably trying to cut his head off, but he got his ear. He was a fisherman, not a swordsman, right? <laughs> but the last miracle that Jesus performed when he was on this earth was the healing of Malchus' ear. Can you imagine that? Here's a guy that just cut his ear off, and he heals him. Probably picked the ear back up, put it on there. Heals him. I wonder if Malchus even thanked him for it. I doubt it. But uh, that just shows the heart of our Lord that he would do something like this for a guy like this. And as he hangs on the cross, what does he say? Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. So in closing, as we look at this, remember the Bible says in Philippians, let this mind be in you which was also in Christ Jesus and he prayed, not my will, but yours be done. That's the thing we need to pray in the Gethsemanes of life. If you're in a time in your life where you don't understand why this has happened to you, and I could describe many scenarios, why did this happen? You can just say, Lord, I don't get it, but I say, not my will, but yours be done. D.L. Moody, one of the great preachers from days gone by, made this statement, and I quote, Spread out your petition before God and then say, thy will, not mine be done. Moody says, the sweetest lesson I've learned in God's school is to let the Lord choose for me. Let the Lord choose. He'll make a better choice than you will make because he has all the background information. Maybe there was a relationship, that guy, that girl. You thought you'd found the one. You were so excited and it just unraveled and you're kind of mad at God. Why did you not let that work out? Probably because God loves you and he knows the big picture. Why didn't this job open up? I knew that was my career path. Lord, shut the door. Well, if he shut the door there, he's gonna open the door somewhere else. So if you're in front of a shut door or a broken relationship or a disappointment or some of the thing you're facing in life, God's still in control. Coming back to what I said earlier, he loves you and he has a plan and of course the father had a plan. This was gonna be the worst sacrifice in human history, but the plan was we were all gonna have our salvation purchased for us at the cross of Calvary. I read a poem, and by the way, I don't read many poems, but I read this one and I liked it, and I'll quote from it. All those who journey, soon or late, must pass within the garden's gate, must kneel alone in darkness there and battle with some fierce despair. God, pity those who cannot say, not mine, but thine, who only pray, let this cup pass, and cannot see the purpose in Gethsemane, end quote. There's a purpose in your Gethsemane. God has a plan in whatever it is you're going through. You say, I'm not going through a Gethsemane. Well, you will eventually. (laughs) You will eventually. So just store these thoughts up for when that moment happens. And Jesus said, if you will lose your life for my sake, you'll find it, which means I just say, all right, Lord, here's my life, here's my future, here's my plans, but if you have another idea in mind, I want your plan over my own. And here's what Jesus has done for each of us. Have you ever wondered why Jesus went to the cross? I mean, think about it. He's uh, denied by Simon Peter. He's betrayed by Judas Iscariot. He is jeered at by the multitudes that he came to save. By and large, he was alone at Calvary. His mother Mary was there, John was there, but for the most part, the disciples were far away or in hiding. And yet he went through with it. He picked that cross up and carried it through the streets of Jerusalem, falling beneath its weight, his back ripped open by a Roman whip in excruciating pain, but he kept going. Why did he keep going? The answer is found in the book of Hebrews chapter 12. It says, Jesus Christ for the joy that was set before him endured the cross despising the shame and now is set down at the right hand of God. The joy that was set before him. What is that? It's not what, it's who. It's you. He did it for you. I love the way that the Apostle Paul personalized it when he said he loved me and he gave himself for me. Why did Jesus die on the cross, listen, for you? Oh yes, the whole world, the whole world. For God so loved the world, he gave his only begotten son. Take out the word world and insert your name there. This is personal. Christ died for you. Jesus shed his blood for you because he knew there was no other way that you could be made right with God. So he did this out of love for each of you. So we're gonna pray in a moment. I'm going to extend an invitation for you to believe in Jesus if you haven't done that yet, an opportunity for you to be forgiven of your sin and also an opportunity to repent of your sin if there's something you've been doing or you've done that you know you need to turn from and ask God to forgive you for. So let's all bow our heads. Father, thank you for loving us so much and sending Jesus. And Lord Jesus, thank you for coming. And now we pray that your Holy Spirit will convict and convince every person here, every person listening of their need for you and help them to come to you and believe. In Jesus' name I pray, amen.
0: Pastor Greg Laurie with an important word of prayer. And if listening today has prompted you to want to make a change in your relationship with the Lord, Pastor Greg would like to help you with that right now.
1: I think people are surprised that it doesn't take years to become a Christian. It doesn't take months. It doesn't take weeks. It doesn't take days. It doesn't even take hours. You can believe on the spot. And I would like to lead you in a prayer where you can ask for his forgiveness, a prayer where you can receive Jesus Christ into your life as your Savior and Lord. So, if you want Christ to come into your life, if you want him to forgive you of your sin, if you want a second chance in life, if you want to go to heaven when you die, stop what you're doing and pray after me. These words Lord Jesus, I know I am a sinner and I'm sorry for my sin. And I turn from it now, and I choose to follow you from this moment forward as Savior and Lord, as God and friend. Thank you for loving me and calling me and forgiving me.
0: In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. And if you've just prayed those words with Pastor Greg and meant them sincerely, the Lord has heard you and forgiven you of your sin. The Bible says Jesus is faithful and just to forgive us of our sin and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And we'd like to send you some materials to help you begin to live this new life. We call it our New Believers Growth Packet. Just ask for it when you call 1-800-PRAY-FOR-ME. That's 1-800-772-936. And the team would love to pray with you too. That number again, 1-800-772-936. Next time on A New Beginning, Pastor Greg continues his series in the Gospel of John. We'll examine an important case study of one of the disciples who experienced a tremendous spiritual failure and we'll learn from his mistakes. Today's message from Pastor Greg Laurie was called The Purpose of Gethsemane. If you'd like to listen again, just download the free Vision Christian Media app where it's available as a podcast. Or for a copy on CD, contact Vision Christian Store on one 5011 or visionstore.org.au. Station sponsor. Thanks for taking time to listen to this audio on demand from Vision Christian Media. To find out more about us, go to vision.org.au.